So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20. We're going to stay right here in verse 22 to 24 for the whole uh, sermon today. And so before we get into that, that verse, I want to kind of set it up. Paul's talking here, and he's talking about something that's very dear to his heart. He's talking about something that's, a, that's very emotional for him. Paul had started the church in Ephesus, and, and he planted that church, planted that work. And, and, and because he did that, he was, he was totally content to stay there. Paul, Paul was happy where he was. He was good. I mean, he built, this was his people. He planted the church. He, he's growing the church, and it's his people. But then something happens, and God begins to deal with him about going somewhere else. And so we pick up the story when he's talking to the elders of the church in verse 22, and he says this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So Paul shows us just right here in this little portion of scripture that there's four steps to trusting God's process. And I want you to see it. And some of you are going to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that, 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 now I start to, some of you are going to have that kind of aha moment this morning. So number one, Paul tells us that the, that the Spirit was prompting him. And so the Spirit prompts us. The Spirit's prompting. He shows us the Spirit's prompting. And that, in, in verse 22, it says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. So watch this. Paul's content in Ephesus. He's happy where he's at. It's a good life. The church is growing. Great things are happening. And then all of a sudden, he gets compelled by the Spirit to do something different. Have you ever had somebody come along and compel you to do something (laughs) that you didn't even have on your radar? You ever have somebody come and say, look, I would really love for you to do this. And you go, huh. That, that wasn't in the plans. <laughs> Paul was compelled by the Spirit, and he said to the elders, I'm going to Jerusalem. He didn't say, I was praying, and I've been having this burden. He didn't say, uh, I just love Jerusalem. He just said, the Spirit, I'm being compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Now, that word compelled or the phrase compelled by the spirit in the Greek is called deo honuma. And it means deo means to be wrapped up like with a cord that's pulling you in a direction. It's almost like you're wrapped with a cord and it's pulling you in a direction. And the word pneuma we know is the word for spirit or wind. And so what Paul was really saying, he says, there's something that the spirit's gotten a hold of me with and it's pulling me towards Jerusalem. You see that? Let me see if I can help you understand it a little bit better. Every time I try to eat right, food comes after me. I'm sitting, it's, it's the devil. My, my, my wife can go six months without making a strawberry pie. And I'm eating every trashy thing I can eat. And the minute I decide, well, it's time to straighten up and eat right, she makes strawberry pie. 
And I, I see her making it. I see the strawberries in the fridge. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I know what's coming. I'll be honest with you, I'm going to go hide in the shop somewhere because I, I know what I'm about to find. Something compels me to the fridge. It starts calling my name. And before you know it, I, nobody's home. That's the way it always works. Nobody's home. It's just me and the pie. It starts calling my name. And before you know it, when everybody gets home, I'm in the corner kind of going. And my wife's like, where's the pie? I'm like, what pie? <laughs> I've been compelled. <laughs> I was compelled. It, there was a cord that wrapped around me. And it, anyway, I thought it was the Lord, but it wasn't. But Paul's saying that there was a cord by the Spirit, like the Spirit had a grip on me, and he was tugging on me to do something. You seeing this? So the Spirit's prompting. Now, I want you to understand this, that when the, when the Spirit prompts you, you need to pay attention. And, and one of my goals for this morning is to make you aware that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to prompt you to do something. If you're a Jesus follower, the Spirit will prompt you to do things at different times. Sometimes they're big things. Like you've heard most of our story. The, the, that'll, there's, sometimes He prompts you to do big things that will redirect your life. Kind of life-changing events. Right? Our story is that God prompted us, the Spirit prompted us to leave Franklin and go find Bubba and ask him what he needs and help him. I mean, that was the, <laughs> go find Bubba. <laughs> Built my life on Go Find Bubba. <laughs> but the Spirit prompted it was a life-changing direction. It, it, was a, it was a life-changing event. It was huge. Two weeks later, we packed our bags, put our house up for sale, and moved. Everybody told us we was making a mistake. But I knew what the Spirit was prompting me to do. This is making sense. So sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's small things that don't seem to be very important. But there's been many times... That I'll be in my quiet time, reading my Bible or praying or worshiping, and, and, and I'll be there. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, this is me and Jesus' time. And, and he'll drop one of your names or maybe your face kind of in my mind. And he'll go, call him. So I'll grab my phone and say, well, look, you know, I'm really enjoying this quiet time. Lord, can I just text him? No, call him. And then call somebody. And before you know it, 20, 30 minutes later, we're crying and praying over the phone. And God's doing something incredible. So sometimes the spirit prompts you to do big things. Sometimes he prompts you to do small things that can be big things for other people. Going to your neighbor's house and cutting their grass can be a big thing to them sometimes. If the spirit prompts you, he's like, well, Pastor, it's August. The spirit ain't prompting me to cut nothing outside. All our ministries inside. <laughs> right? So sometimes it's big things, sometimes it's small things. But here's the thing. Anytime the Holy Spirit prompts you, it's important. And we got to pay attention to it. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, you got to be ready for the Spirit to prompt you to do something. Good place to say amen. Maybe some of you are being prompted this morning. Maybe you're being prompted to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe to join a life group or join the dream team and start using some of these skills that you have. Maybe some of you are being prompted to start a business or start a new ministry or maybe even write a book. Maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do something that you're going, yeah, but everything's going good right now, but maybe he's prompting you. 
Maybe he's prompting you to upgrade your boyfriend. <laughs> Maybe God wants you to get an upgrade. Maybe he's prompting somebody else to say, you need to go find that girl over there that's about to get an upgrade. You to upgrade. <laughs> find that girl on the other side of the church and ask her on a date. I don't know how the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Okay. Did you not find your girlfriend or your boyfriend some way? <laughs> I ain't even going to go there. <laughs> I was going to ask you who prompted you. (laughs) So number one, the spirit's prompting. Number two, you're going to face certain uncertainty. You're going to face certain uncertainty. (laughs) Well, some of you are going to have a hard time with this one. Verse 22. And now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Here's the words. Not knowing what will happen to me there. I can take you all the way from the beginning to the end and show you where God doesn't always give us the details. That's a good place to say amen. He doesn't always give us the details. In fact, he didn't even give Abraham the details. He said, pack your stuff up and go to a land that I will show you. How's he going to show him when he's on his way? You're going to face some certain uncertainty. There's going to be some times you're not going to know what's coming next. Can I tell you, I don't like that part. I don't. I don't like that part. I want to know some details. I don't get overly wrapped up in the details, but I, I want to know some kind of details. But he doesn't always give them to me. And I've, also, I've often asked why. God, why don't you give me some details? Why you didn't tell me this was coming? Why I didn't see this? Why you didn't tell me this? This wasn't in the brochure. I think it's because sometimes we can't handle the details if we know them. Y'all remember the movie A Few Good Men? Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is the lawyer. Jack Nicholson is the, com- uh, I don't know, the commanding officer. They I should have known Glenn would know. <laughs> and they're in this court battle and Tom's pushing him and, and he says, I just want to know the truth. And you remember what Jack Nicholson says? You can't handle the truth. Well, he said it a lot worse than that. And God's not going to tell you like that. But he's going to say, you, you probably can't handle these details. I, I'll be honest with you. When, when I felt the spirit prompting us to, to go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him. If he would have gave me some of the details, <laughs> the house would have never sold. <laughs> I'd have asked way too much for it. Right? I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't going through that. You crazy. Maybe, you're, maybe you can't handle the details. But here, here's, the, here's the news is on the other side of that. Now that we've obeyed and we've faced some certain uncertainty and we're starting to see the impact that, that God's used us to make, I go, man, I'm so glad I made that decision. Lord, thank you for not giving me the details. Because we've, we, we're making it through the uncertainty and we're coming into the place where we're seeing the impact, right? You're going to face uncertainty. You're going to face some hard times. You got to be okay with some uncertainty. You got to be okay with that. Psalms 119, 105 says this. Let me show you this verse. It's one of my favorite verses. 
It says that God's word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. So what is it? What is God's word? It's a light or a lamp to guide my feet. So watch this. The word of God and that word that that phrase, the word of God means his written word and his spoken word. That means that his word is a lamp unto my feet. We had, a, uh, we had a cow that's been getting out the last two nights, a dairy cow. I don't know. She's Houdini. She gets out the fence somehow, and there's no fence torn down. And it's, it's either right when we first wake up or right when we go to bed. So everybody's in bed last night, and the cow got out again. So it's dark. We live in South Louisiana. There's water moccasins all over the place. It's like when I go inside, the water moccasins come out. So we're walking last night to go get this cow back in the pasture, and we got a spotlight, and we're all kind of, it's funny, we all kind of huddle together, me, Ethan, and Virginia, and we're kind of walking, and we're not looking way over there. I ain't worried about what's way over there. I'm worried about that life-threatening water moccasin that's right there in my ankle. I'm going, I'm lighting my feet, and then I'll stop when I see the area's cleared, then I'll look. God's word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. His word, his written word and his spoken word is going to illuminate your feet and help you make a good step right after another good step. And he's going to give you another good step, right? And he's going to go. The Bible also says that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. His word lights up the path that I'm walking on. It doesn't light up my future. Come on, somebody, because you're going to trip if the light's too far down the road. He lights up our path so that we can take one step to the next. One step to the next. Too many times we get consumed by what's way down the road. You've heard it said that when, 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 uh, when teenagers come into adulthood, they tend to want Everything that their parents have right now. Anybody been guilty of that? Come on, don't lie in church. I've been guilty. I want everything. (laughs) Right now, when I'm 20 years old, can't manage nothing. A lot of times we're not willing to take the steps that our parents took to get to where they are. We want to bypass the good things that God's going to do in us to prepare us for that because we're looking too far down the road. There's, there's going to be some uncertainty, but the, the certainty of it all is that God's word is going to light your path. That's what he promises, that, that my word will light your path. That, that's, that should bring you some certainty. That should make you feel better. Okay, all right, I don't know the details, but I know that God's word is going to light my path. He's going he's to light my feet. I'm not going to stumble. I'm not going to trip. He's going to give me the best opportunity to get to where we're going because that's his word. So that's certainty. You want, you want some more? Some, some of, because some of you are going, I'm just feeling this. Some of you are going, yeah, but I need more details than that, Pastor. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're preaching, but I need some details. I need some certainty. Let me give you some certainty. You want some certainty? God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God will guide you step by step. You can be certain of that. 
oh man, Pastor, I thought you were going to give me something else. Some, you know, I mean, a couple details. Get me down the road, but I don't know why. Why doesn't God give just like just give us the plan? Just go like we all got our, our own personal Bible and our names in it all over the place, and it's got our life mapped out on this thing, and we just you know day one you're born, ha, great. Day two you're feeding and pooping. Okay, day three you're still feeding and pooping. Day 29 or, or however far you want to get down there. Oh, well, you're going to do this. You need to make sure to. That would be nice, right? I mean, just follow the book. I'm not even going to preach that point. But there would be no need for God because he had already given it to us. Right? I mean, how often would you pray if everything was already mapped out for you? How often would you lean on him? When you got everything you need to stand on your own two feet. You see how sometimes too much certainty can breed just this individualism, just this kind of I'm I'm a I'm a be my own person. I'm a be I'm, I'm a this is who I am. I don't need anybody. Right. You know, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. <laughs> Let me break that down for you. You will live by faith one way or the other. That's what that verse means. That means everything can be going peaches and cream for you, but one day you're going to have to use some of this faith that I've given you. You see, the scriptures are full of faith. They're full of faith from the beginning to the end. It requires faith. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So in other words, if you're not using faith and you're just leaning on certainty all the time and everything's calculated and everything's mapped out and the only time you'll risk anything is if there's a a 90% or better chance that it's going to go your way, you're not living by faith. You're living by you. Come on, somebody. Uncertainty is the breeding ground for faith. Everything we ever do with God, it starts with faith. Your relationship with him started with faith. Your your entrance into eternity is going to be by faith. It's going to be faith the whole way through. That means there's going to be some uncertainty at times. But you just got to trust the process. You just got to trust that God is for you and not against you. Sometimes that means telling the enemy to shut up. Sometimes that means telling people to shut up. When God prompted us to come, I didn't have one, per- one person on my team except my wife. My best friend said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. My grandmother who raised me, the, the patriot, the, the, the most important person in my life says, you're doing what your grandpa did. You're going to drag your family all over this place and you're never going to settle down. You want to talk about some uncertainty? Lord, could you say that again? <laughs> could you, <laughs> you remind me what I'm doing here? Grandmother didn't talk to me for almost a year. Broke my heart. Sometimes you got to tell the people around you to shut up because the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do something. And you definitely got to tell the enemy where to go. Right? 
Because this walk that God has for us, this path, it requires faith. It requires faith. Amen? So we're going to face some uncertainty. You've got to be okay with that. I just want to get you ready. You're not going to get all the details. But you are going to get God's assistance the whole way through. He's going to guide you. He promises to be with you and not ever to leave you. Come on, somebody. Number three, you're going to face some predictable resistance. Many of you know this to be true. (laughs) You never had resistance until you gave your life to Jesus. Everybody liked you before you gave your life to Jesus. You were the best person in the world until you gave your life to Jesus. You're going to face some predictable resistance. Watch what Paul says. And now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. I want to preach a real gospel to you this morning. You got a real enemy that's going to come after you. And anytime God's word begins to light your path and you get ready to make that step. He's going to come at you full force. Because the the, the thing that threatens the enemy the most is your next step. He loves for you to get comfortable. He loves for you to not ever have to sacrifice. He loves for you to not ever get out of your plans. He he wants you to stay right there and comfortable and, and just get used to everything. Because then all of a sudden you become lame. Right? And the Holy Spirit is just compelling you the whole time. Come on. Come on. I got a Jerusalem for you. Come on. Come on. There's something greater than it. Come on. I need you to take the next step. And as soon as you go to take it, there's going to be some resistance. And most of you know that to be true. First time you tried to tithe. (laughs) Come on. You faced a little resistance. (laughs) Can I kindly say to you this morning that if you're not ready for resistance, you're probably not ready to do what God wants you to do. Because you know what happens? It's a lot of times Christians, we fall in love with Jesus. We have this incredible experience. And somewhere along the line, this thing gets twisted in our mind that as long as I'm walking with God, everything's going to be perfect. That's not true. God himself faces resistance. You remember when Daniel was praying for 21 days? And the angel on the 21th day came to him and says, bro, I heard you the first time you prayed it, but we've been fighting the whole time to get here. Too many Christians take a step and as soon as they hit some resistance or maybe it's not comfortable anymore, we step back. I must have made a mistake. As soon as things get hard and things get tough, we go, oh, this must not be God. Because if it was God, then everything would be perfect. Can I tell you the truth this morning? It's not going to be perfect. Your position is perfect. But your path isn't always going to be perfect. And it's never going to be without resistance. Amen. You're going to face some resistance. It's time for us as a church to just grow up a little bit and go, you know what? I'm going to face some resistance. I mean, I, I look at it now. I go, okay, God wants me to take this next step. Well, <laughs> going to face some resistance. 
And you just go. You just go. Why do you go? Because your path is is lit. God is with you. He's guiding you. So what if you see some resistance? You just go. Sometimes we believe that resistance means that we're outside of the will of God. But let me tell you, oftentimes, more than not, that usually means that you're in the will of God. Why would the enemy resist you if you're doing something that doesn't, doesn't affect anything? <laughs> Why would he resist you if you're doing something that doesn't change the world? Why would he resist you if you're not doing anything to bring glory to God? Why would he resist you if what you're doing is not causing you to grow? He's not going to mess that up. He's going to go, okay, just leave them alone. Let them sit right there. <laughs> Are you seeing this? You're going to face some resistance. You just soon get used to it. The struggle you're you're having today is developing the spiritual strength you may need for tomorrow. I had this thought this morning as I was praying that that the thing I'm facing now, it's not about right now. Look at me. The thing you're facing right now, it's not about right now. It's about tomorrow. It's about your next step. We, We think, oh, it's all about right now. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it's right here. It's about your next step. It's about your next step. Because God, God uses struggles. He uses resistance just like a, 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 a bodybuilder uses resistance to build muscles. God uses resistance in our life to build spiritual muscles. It builds your faith. The book of James, if you need to read something on faith, the book of James says you need to count it all joy when your faith is tested. What does that mean? That means that you need to just, you need to consider it joy. Why? Because you're growing in this. You don't grow on the couch. You grow in the gym. Well, you do grow on the couch, but I mean, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I was, I've been growing on the couch for 10 years now. <laughs> you don't grow muscles on the couch. You know what happens when you face resistance? Watch this. James talks about how your faith gets pressed out. Your faith gets pushed out. In other words, your faith has to work. Amen? It has to work when you face resistance. So, so Paul tells us that the Spirit was prompting him. He tells us that he, he's going to face some certain uncertainty. And then he knows that there's going to be some predictable resistance. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen to me there, but all I know is every, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit's telling me that prison and hardships are coming my way. So I know it's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. Did Paul turn around and run when the, when the Spirit told him it was gonna, he was going to face prison? Did he turn around? Did he quit? No, Paul didn't quit. Paul kept going. Amen. I want to tell you today, you're going to face some hard times. Don't quit. Keep going. God's going to deliver you. He's going to be there with you. And you're going to experience him like you've never experienced him before. Amen. You will experience him. And you'll come out of it stronger than you went in it. And then number four, Paul had some uncommon confidence. He just had some kind of strange confidence. 
Verse 24, he says this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What's the task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul had an uncommon confidence that said, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to testify to the good news of God's grace. Whether I'm in prison or whether I'm free, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, whether I've got money or whether I'm broke, it doesn't matter my circumstance or my situation. I'm going to keep on testifying to the good news of God's grace. Too many Christians today, we stop testifying to to the good news of God's grace because of our circumstances. And so the enemy gets us locked up in this prison called circumstances. And we and we get shut down so bad that we don't communicate to nobody. Well, I'm just going through something right now and I can't help nobody. else. Sometimes helping somebody else is your best way out. If you're depressed, you need to call and encourage somebody. When I call you, sometimes it's because I'm down. (laughs) Paul said, no matter what I go through, I'm going to keep on testifying. How did Paul get to that point in his life? How did he gain that confidence? Can I tell you, it didn't start that way. Let me tell you about Paul real quick. Paul, before he met Jesus, was was in the upper management or upper echelon of this massive religious system he was he was top dog he was groomed to take over he was the man he knew the law inside and out backwards and forwards and he could quote it to you a hundred times that's who paul was and paul was in the business of you if you didn't fall into this and you didn't line up with this then then you're out of line that's how that's how zealous he was Paul was standing there when Stephen was mortared. In fact, Paul's the one who signed off on it and said, go ahead, kill him. Paul got permission from the magistrate to go out and and to knock down doors in homes and drag out Christians and bring them to prison. That's who Paul was. That's how Paul started. Until one day, Paul's riding along and bam, he runs into Jesus who speaks to him and blinds him for three days. And he has this encounter with Jesus. And he's on his knees for three days, blind, until Barnabas comes. And then Paul's life changes. Totally changes. He goes from being a guy who wants to kill people for not doing everything right to a guy who wants to just lift people up. But that ain't the Paul that we're reading about right now. That Paul, that day, he got up from there a changed person. And the Bible says, and it doesn't give us a lot of details, but Paul went to Asia for about three years. Theologians believe three to eight years he went to Asia and he was there. And it was like a training ground for Paul. And I can imagine Paul at year one was going, okay, it's time for me to go preach. You know what I'm saying? I got to go get my, gotta get my preach on. I got to go build a church. Gotta... Nope. Year two. Come on. Is it time? Is it time? Nope, year three is, 
Can I go? Can I go? You know when Paul got released to go preach the first time? It was so good they wanted to kill him. (laughs) He had to sneak out the back of the town. The Paul we're reading about today is not the same Paul that started. Paul had to do some things that he didn't want to do or that he didn't even like to do until he got to the place where he did what he was called to do. Amen? You know what Paul did all those years? Paul made tents. Imagine this. Upper echelon of this massive religious system had people waiting on him, had no financial issues, Now he finds himself as a tent maker. And he's making tents for other people to live in to support himself to do the work that he's been called to do. Not knowing if he was going to change the world, not knowing if he was going to create history, not knowing what God was going to use him to do. He knew that there was something inside of him that was prompting him, that was calling him to something greater. But all he knew is that right now I just got to make tents. I'm going to make tents and I'm going to testify. I'm going to make tents and I'm going to testify. I know there's something greater than this, but I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep making tents until God promotes me. Come on, you seeing this this morning? I don't know if Paul knew what his life was going to do. Wrote most of the New Testament. Changed the world. Built the church. He had some kind of confidence inside of him that says, no matter what I'm doing, I'm not going to get hung up on the what I'm doing. I'm going to get hung up on the who I'm doing this for and why I'm doing it. And then God's going to take care of everything else. Confidence. How do you go to prison for serving Jesus and keep serving him? You got to know he's going to be with you (laughs) no matter where you go, right? (laughs) So I don't know where this applies to you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. I know this much. The Spirit's going to prompt you to get out of your comfort zone. He's going to call you to a new place. He's going to call you out of one thing into the next. And it's going to stretch you and it's going to stress you at times and it's going to cause you to to feel like quitting, but you just got to go, okay, I trust God's process. I trust this. He's The Spirit's prompting me. It's tugging on me. I'm going to face some resistance. There's going to be some uncertainty But I just got to trust this process. I got to trust that God is for me and not against me. That he's with me and not forsaking me. Right? You got to trust the process. That he's with you. So how does this apply to you today? If you're making tents, serve Jesus making tents. If you're waiting tables, serve Jesus waiting tables. If you're a stay-at-home mom, serve Jesus staying at home with your children. Amen? You're shaping the next generation. You got one of the greatest jobs on the planet. Don't let the devil lie to you. You're leaving a mark that's going to last for years to come. If you're a student, serve Jesus 
there. That's how that applies to your life. Stop getting caught up in the what and start getting into the who. That's what, you know what God wants you to do? Let me answer the question for you. You know what God wants you to do? First thing he wants you to do is discover who you are in him. Who you are. He wants you to understand what it's like to be his child. Before he ever wants to send you out to do anything else, he wants you to understand you're my child and you need to understand how to be my child. How to just relax. My children don't have to be perfect. I decided to adopt them when they weren't perfect. Right? Discover who you are in God, who you are in Christ. Then he'll give you what you need to do. Just trust that. If you're not hearing anything, just keep doing what you're doing. Serving him, loving him, testifying of his good news. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And then when the spirit prompts you to do something else, make sure I take the next step. And you're going to discover a little bit more time with God. You're going to get a little deeper with God. Things are going to get a little bit, a little bit more uncertain. And you're going to face a little bit more resistance. But don't freak out. Use some confidence that you had at your last step to get to your next step. Right? Remember who you are. I'm God's child. I'm not what people have said I am. He loves me. He cares for me. He's not my parents. Right? Discover who you are. And out of that, out of that healthy place, when we discover who we are and we're settled right there, then you know what? I'm his child before I do anything. Then when you go to do something out of who you are, can I just tell you it's different? It's better. I'm not doing this because I want to bring glory to myself. I'm doing this because I'm God's child. And when I step out and do it, it's going to bring him glory. I may have to suffer a little bit, but I'm going to suffer right now so I can share in his glory later. Come on, somebody. That's Romans right there. I'm going to do a little bit of suffering now to share in his glory later because it's about him. It's not about me. Amen. Can you trust him today? Can you just trust his process? Can you be aware that the spirit is going to prompt you? He's going to prompt you. Good friend of mine one time said he was leaving somebody's house and the guy was telling him he was going through some hard things and he left and the spirit prompted him to turn around and go pray for him. And he turned around and he went back and he prayed for his friend. The spirit's going to prompt you to do some things that are going to get you out of your comfort zone. It's going to be some things that you're not used to. But can I tell you, just trust it because God's going to do something in you. And he's going to do something through you. And God's just looking for some folks that trust him. He's just looking for some people that say, Lord, you just, whatever you want me to do. You prompt me. You, you, you prompt me, Lord. I'll go. Can't promise you I ain't going to be a little nervous. Can't promise you I ain't going to freak out a little bit. But I'm going to go. You know what comes out of that? When we get together with other believers, we start to chatter. 
Why is the church so quiet? Why is the, the church as a whole across the world, why is it so quiet today? Why aren't people testifying? Is it because we're not seeing God do things? And we're going, well, God ain't doing nothing. God ain't doing nothing because nobody's trusting him. Nobody's willing to take the next step. When you take the next step and you step out and you do what God wants you to do, you have this experience that you go, I got to tell somebody about this. You're sitting down at lunch with somebody and you're going, man, let me tell you what God did yesterday. Right? There's a girl that came to church two weeks ago. And her name is Brittany. And I'm going to tell the story. She's not here this morning. Brittany's in a bad place. And Brittany was wanting to come to church here. But she was scared. And she was, two Sunday mornings ago, she was driving by. And one of our parkers was out there. And he saw her driving by looking and he just said, Super spiritual, y'all. She turned the car around, got out of her car, walked into the church, gave her life to Jesus, went through next step. The next week, she faced some resistance. The enemy was on her bad. She was thinking of committing suicide. Sitting in her car in the moment, thinking of committing suicide, the guy that waved her in called her because she went through next step. And he said, Brittany, are you okay? And she said, this is what she said to me. How did he know to ask me that? She said, I was, I was thinking of how I was going to end my life. And this guy calls me and he says, are you okay? Thank God somebody was prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something. Amen?